When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Maynard. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back, MD Nation, and thank you for tuning into the MD's Fantasy Football Show at a special time on a special day because we have a special guest. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going to be going with the Thursday night recap and all of the early or late Sunday preview games, Sunday night and Monday night. If you want to check out the early Sunday games, all you got to do is go to your favorite pod streaming app. But with me today, we go across the Atlantic to bring you this special guest, Mr. Murph host of the Five Yard Rush podcast. It's a great show, by the way, and creator of the FFCC Challenge Cup and the Fantasy Football Playbook, which is a must-use resource during your off-seasons. Make sure you check it out next year if you didn't get a chance to get it this year. Murph, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing today? Uh, Thanks for having me on. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking for a few years, so absolute pleasure to to be here and happy to, uh, yeah, join the Join MD Nation and uh, let's uh, let's win some games this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna, like I said, we're gonna go over the fantasy football analysis for you guys. We're gonna give you some of the bets like we normally do. What we like, if we want to stay away from it. Last night was a game I wanted to stay away from, and thank goodness we did. Uh, 20, 30 to twenty nine at the end of the game. I will say this, Murph, and we talked about this a few minutes before the show started. I was really happy to see that Wanda being a good Thursday game. I was a little bit worried about the overall quality of it, but. Frankly, I mean, there's only one less point scored than we got last week, and we still got a game-winning field goal at the end. Yeah, it was a, it, it was definitely a good game. I think um, for me, early season, I, I, you know, it's it's quite easy to say sort of mid-season when you kind of know the teams are bad. It's much easier to sort of not pay attention to certain games like this, and this sort of had all the hallmarks of a game around week eight, week nine that you probably wouldn't have tuned in for, but. I think this early in the season, I think every game really does matter, especially for 
neutrals and, and fantasy players because you're trying to learn so much about the offenses and there was a ton of information last night that was gathered out but the game itself was 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 played with really great quality at, and uh you know you have to sit there and look at the giants now and think jason garrett and uh and joe judge are, are definitely they're in a must-win game next week because if they don't win that the realism is the three games after that they'll be zero and six and not many coaches get to zero and six and get to keep their job. So, I think, uh, especially with the money they spend in free agency, there's a there's a lot of question marks about these uh, New York Football Giants right now. But credit the Washington backup QB Taylor Heineke. A lot of people don't think he's a good player. I've always seen flashes of him. I thought he was very good against Tampa in the playoffs last year. I think this is an interesting one for him now because if he can cement this job. You won't see Fitz again this season. You know, this this will be Heineke's job. They're not going to bring anyone in. Everyone's screaming for Cam Newton and, and all no, those ships have sailed. They they believe in Heineke. They extended him in the offseason. He's definitely going to be someone that they invest in moving forward. And wouldn't shock me if, if he is the starting quarterback for the rest of the season and, and we don't see Fitz again. I'm 100% in agreement with you. I said this going into the game yesterday show that I didn't think this was a downgrade, frankly, from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Maybe he doesn't throw the ball up YOLO style the way Fitzpatrick will sometimes to the outside. But as we saw last night, it didn't matter. I said, don't downgrade Terry McLaurin. Don't downgrade Logan Thomas. Don't downgrade Antonio Gibson because of the quarterback change. And we'll talk about Terry McLaurin and all that in, in just a minute here. But it, it clearly showed you don't have to downgrade anybody for sure. And then you, when you go from that to the Giants side of the ball, I'm with you. Look, this is New York. You are Joe Judge and Jason Garrett, two guys that already had fire under them. David Gettleman already has a fire under him to begin with. I'm with you. You lose to Atlanta next week. You go 0-6. Everybody's going to be calling for your head before this season is over. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there from an NFL standpoint uh, perspective as well. But as far as fantasy goes, Let's start on the Giants' side of the ball here. The big thing I took away, Saquon physically, to me, looked good. And 58-10, to 10, as far as snap count goes, between him and Devontae Booker. While he didn't have the big stat line from a fantasy perspective, if I'm a Saquon Barkley owner, I'm looking at this in a more positive light moving forward. I have a little bit more confidence moving forward. If you're not, and you know you're in a league where somebody's panicking because it's two mediocre stat lines in a row... See if you can buy him low. He was a buy locator for me heading into this week. I've seen some trades that have gone down in people's home leagues where they've been able to get him pennies on the dollar. He continues to be a buy locator for me heading into week three. Where were you at on, uh, on Saquon Barkley, Murph? Very similar to you in the sense of if you were sitting here in week one, week two, and expecting him to blow the, the socks off the place, then I think you were a little bit naive. And I think those that drafted Saquon Barkley, didn't draft him for these first two weeks. It wasn't a pretty schedule to come out anyway, uh, to play Denver and then Washington, two very good defenses. And then all of a sudden, you know, things do open up for him next week against Atlanta. But it's very clear to me that they're, they're, they're keeping him on a bit of a count. They're, they're, they're monitoring his usage. I think what was encouraging in that first quarter when he breaks away for that big run down the sideline, that showed me all I needed to see. Um, don't worry about the, the box scores. Don't worry about the stat lines. If you are a bark, the owner, just hold. Uh, you're not going to get the price you want on him anyway. If you are trying to buy him, definitely do. You should have some concern if you're in the Dynasty League trying to buy Barkley because he is two years removed from an injury. Two years in a row he's been injured. And let's face it, does anyone really believe that Joe Judge and 
Jason Garrett are going to be in charge of this football team next year. I'd be highly surprised if they are. So then you've got a different scenario, you've got a different coach, and, and it's that unknown that I kind of don't like to go for in in football, especially fantasy football. When I'm evaluating trades, I'm looking at teams on the hot seat because it, you can go great. Yeah, they could they could go out there and get a really offensive-minded coach and it could unlock and, and you take that gamble. But someone like Saquon Barkley, he's already going to be a premium anyway because he's a former offensive rookie of the year. He's two yeah. years, two years yeah. in a row injured. And then you've got this situation where next year he could be in a completely different offense. It might not be centered around him. They might draft somebody. You never know what happens. There's too many unknowns for me wanting to pay a premium. If someone if someone says a first, I'll do it. If someone asks for multiple firsts, that's where I'm kind of like, I probably would pump the brakes there because I think you've got to be a little bit careful. But if you're playing with him this season, just be more optimistic that he came for it okay. And I would expect a, a bounce back week next week. You know, the thing we want to see now, next week, we don't want to see him on the injury report. Right. That's kind of what we want to see. He was on the injury report all the way up to it. So he was never going to get that volume. He was never going to get it. But what we saw was good. And now we just need to go into next week and see what he can do. And hopefully he's not on the injury report. They can un- unlock that tap a little bit because it's a must-win game. And they're a much better team when Saquon touches the ball versus when they're not. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And it, that's going to be the big thing. You knew he was going to get a big workload and a tough matchup on a short week. But now he gets 10 days. Now he has looked good. Now he did increase his snap count. So looking forward for this year. Yeah, we're both optimistic on that. And then dynasty wise, while I'm with you, I usually typically speaking, do not like the unknown when I'm trying to make trades in dynasty. However, in this situation, I don't know if it can get much worse than a Joe Judge and Jason Gare as far as Saquon Barkley is concerned. So I almost think it might be a positive that they might be on their way out the door. Just depends on how you want to look at that. But other things going on in that game, Sterling Shepard, two weeks in a row now, has been the featured wide receiver for the New York Giants. Not Kenny Galladay, although he does come away with eight targets in this ballgame. So you're not mad about that. You may be mad about the production, but you're not mad about that. Kenny Galladay was one of my busts going into uh, last night anyway because you knew this wasn't a good matchup. He's still trying to get familiarity with the offense. He's still trying to get on the same page with Daniel Jones. And frankly, he's still trying to get his legs under him. I mean, this is a guy who didn't get to practice all throughout the preseason and isn't, I don't think he's really quite in explosive Kenny Galladay prime shape at the moment either, at least not what I saw. And the Sterling Shepard has always been Daniel Jones's number one target when he's been out there since he's been in his career. So I'm not surprised by Shepard having a comfortability with him to begin with. Plus, that's the area of the field which Daniel Jones attacks. He attacks the intermediate short part of the field. That's where Sterling Shepard's going to operate. And as long as Evan Ingram continues to be out, we'll see if he's back next week. But as long as he continues to be out, Shepard's going to gobble up those middle of the field targets. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, no one's ever questioned Sterling Shepard from a player ability-wise. It's always been a durability-wise. I feel like right. the Giants were just always talking about durability durability but again you know you're talking 10 targets he catches nine he did everything you would expect him to do i think if you invested in kenny galladay i think you are supremely disappointed with what you're getting and if i'm honest with you with jason garrett i think you're going to continue to be disappointed because what is kenny galladay's role in this offense two weeks in now i couldn't necessarily tell you categorically what his role is because Sterling Shepard is playing that sort of Keenan Allen role for the the Giants where he's gobbling up those middle targets, especially when there's no Evan Ingram. To be honest, when Evan Ingram comes back, I'm not expecting too much of a dip from Shepard. And that's kind of the role he's always had. 
Darius Slayton is the X, so he's going to have all those deep ball targets, and he's the one that's going to be the big threat. So you would expect that, and he's fulfilling that role very, very well. What is Kenny Galladay's role in this offense? That's the big question, because I can't see a designated... You know, this is a guy they went and paid big money to in free agency. I Two weeks in, I can't tell you why they've done it, because it doesn't make sense to me. What is his, his, his designated... You know, you look at his root tree, you look at what he's running, you look at... You know where his targets are coming from in the field. It's all over the mess. It's, 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 it's kind of like the fourth read in this offense. Which, if you're spending that much money on a fourth read, I have to question what you're doing as a front office and as a coaching staff. Now, you can say that he's not quite up to speed with the playbook. It's going to take a bit of time. These sorts of things happen, and that's understandable to a degree. Right. But it's just the inconsistency of where he's getting these targets is a, is a severe concern for me. There's no defined Kenny Galladay role. Maybe they're just sitting there banking. Well, we know Sterling Shepard's going to go down. It's going to happen. So he's going to be ready for when Sterling Shepard's goes down. And if that's the way you want to play it, then, then fine. But I think um, I'm severely concerned that if uh, luckily I don't own much Kenny Galladay. <laughs> if I did, yeah, I don't I'd, at be, all either. I, I'd be, I'd be really upset right now. Yeah, I, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. When Sterling Shepard goes down, maybe Kenny Gallagher will be ready then. This is the problem with Jason Garrett. You give him too many weapons, and he finds himself in a situation where no one gets utilized properly as a result of that. We've seen it in the past. People want to say Kenny Gallagher was going to be in this Des Bryant role. Well, which year of Des Bryant? Younger career, older career? Yeah. Because there's two different roles with Des Bryant that he had with Jason Garrett there, and it's looking like it's the older career where you're allowed to run two slants a game, you're allowed to run deep, and that's about all you're allowed to do. And as a result of that, you don't get featured. The slot guy gets featured. Sterling Shepard gets featured. Now, as a result of that, Sterling Shepard was lower on my waiver wire report list, but somebody that I think if you're in half point, full point PPR leagues, if you need a plug-in at the flex, he can service you there because as long as he's on the field, I think this is a guaranteed seven, eight plus target guy on all of their offensive snaps. So Sterling Shepard, somebody that I'm not going to be excited about playing, but certainly has a safe floor in those scoring formats. I believe moving forward. God. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, his ADP was in like the one eighties out at one point in this off season. And, it was a screaming value to anyone that, that hit that button. I did a few times and you know, I, I still am not entirely confident that this is going to last all season, but I'm ready to cash uh, when it happens. And I'm looking at that giants offense right now. And I'm thinking how many pieces of this offense do I really want moving forward in my lineups? Right. Sterling Shepard right now is probably near the top of the tree. Um, Slayton in the odd matchup that might work. Uh, you know, take one, of course. That's kind of it. I'm kind of not really bothered about Kenny Galladay. I'm not worried about Ingram. I'm not worried about what else they're, they're going to do. So, yeah, I, th- I think for me, it's it, dial up Sterling Shepard if he's still on your waiver wire, which I'd be surprised. He certainly won't be uh, come Tuesday. The caution I would throw to this, if you play in a fab league, don't bet the house on him. Yes, he's going to have solid production all the way through, but he does have durability issues. I, I can, I'm not going to see him promise you because that's a pretty crass thing to do. But just be careful because he will go down. I'm almost confident of it at some point this, this season. So, you know, invest 5% of your fab, 6%, 7% of your fab. I think is, is a decent number to get for a player like that. I think he's probably going to be the best wide receiver option on the waiver wire this week. I'd be surprised if it's anyone else. 
So, yeah, I think make a play for him. Just don't bet the farm on him. That's my only advice. Yeah, 100%. I mean, ideally, if you guys were able to pick him up this past week, you were able to do it for free because you wouldn't have had to use a priority, most likely. You wouldn't have had to use fab budget, most likely. Going into it, I'm with you. I probably wouldn't go above 5% myself. I wouldn't waste a top priority pick if you have priority in your leagues uh, for Sterling Shepard either. It's early in the week. We'll see exactly what comes available as we go throughout. But again, this is a player, to your point, you can't count on him for you know, 15 more games. You just can't. So as a result of that, don't go crazy on it. Plus... While he has a very nice floor, you're still going to have opportunities on your waiver wire throughout the season. Wide receivers become available every single week who are going to have higher ceilings than a Sterling Shepard because of this offense and because of the fact you're working with Daniel Jones. So don't go crazy again on Sterling Shepard. We're both in agreement on that. And then when we go to Daniel Jones, I know the last two weeks, fantasy-wise, he's going to wind up finishing somewhere near the top 12, in the top 12, because he's had the rushing. He had the 95 yards and a touchdown on the ground yesterday. The read option definitely looks like it's going to be a at least a piece of this offense, a heart, a a staple of this offense. And I don't know why Washington bit every single time they did on read option yesterday, but they really, really did. But I'm not going to be excited about playing Daniel Jones. I don't want to trust that Daniel Jones and your fantasy lives moving forward at all. No, and I think I think when it comes to the Washington football team, I've, I've read some interesting comments. I've had some discussion with some of my writers who are saying. You know, this Washington football defense isn't isn't as advertised, right? This is a team that were very very good down the stretch. They won the division off the back of this defense because let's be honest, the you know the the offense was pretty poor, and and that's and that's true. I think this defense is kind of feeling itself a bit too much. I think it's read the press. I think it's bought itself, and they kept going for that home run hit on Daniel Jones far too many times. And there's quarterbacks in this league because that Giants offensive line is still. Poor. Horrible. Yeah. Still bad. Like, I don't understand how it's still bad, but it is. So <laughs> you sit there. What has been the problem for the last four years? It's like no, I agree. at some point you've got to you've got to do something about it. But Daniel Jones is, you know, I, I'm gonna give a little bit of credit here to Daniel Jones. I think he's grown up as a quarterback because he was making very, very good decisions. You know, the biggest the biggest issue with Daniel Jones was he turns the football over. He uh, tries to do too much with the football. He he thinks he's got more talent than he has. And what he's realized is I think he's realized his limitations where, you know what, if someone is going to come at me, I know I can get round. If I can get round the first guy, I'll make a positive yardage play. And if not, I'll eat the sack. It's fine. Sacks aren't going to kill me. And not going to they're not going to turn the ball over. As long as I don't lose the football, I'm going to keep that ball security well. And it looks like his ball security is a lot, lot better this season. I think he's going to be in a better place. And I think I'm not necessarily sitting here saying, oh, go pick up Daniel Jones in the one QB league. No, because his schedule after next week is pretty Brutal. gross with the exception of the Cowboys. He's got Atlanta next week. He's got the Cowboys, I think, in, in week five. But, you know, he's got the Chiefs. He's got uh, the, he's got the, the Rams. You know, he's got a lot of negative matchups. He's got the Panthers in there. A lot of games that don't fancy him to do too much in. So I think, um, I think the way I look at Daniel Jones is someone that, He's growing up. I think he's doing a reasonable job. You couldn't look at last night and say he was the reason they lost that football game. And I think last season you could attribute three, four, four losses to Daniel Jones and his ball security and turning the football over. I think he played a pretty clean game last night. And I think he is growing up. And I think if if they can sort out everything else, you know, he'll have a chance to, to do something significant. And I think he's someone who might hold on to this job next season. And that was not something I kind of was thinking three months ago. 
Yeah, I mean, is early in the season, we'll see, but I will, I'll give him this to your point. He was sacked four times last night, didn't fumble the ball. Usually with his ratio, you get sacked four times, he's got a fumble or two as far as what his ratio has been in years past when he gets hit that often. So definitely credit to him to be able to hold on to the ball, although I feel like we're kind of setting the bar a little bit low when it comes to that for him to actually surpass. We go on Washington's side of the ball, and I, first off, we got to talk about Terry McLaurin. I mean, so the big thing was this was not a downgrade quarterback. You didn't have to worry about McLaurin. I know some people were, you know, after the mediocre week one, Ron Patrick getting hurt, Heineke coming in, people were kind of a little bit concerned, told him, don't worry about it. Don't worry about Bradbury because what they're going to do is they're going to move Terry McLaurin all around the field. They're going to move him in the slot. They're going to motion him. He's not going to be on Bradbury the entire game. He wasn't. And even when he was on Bradbury, he was still making him look a fool because he's just that good of a wide receiver. So it didn't even matter. He wound up having 11 catches on 14 targets for 107 yards and a touchdown last night. Terry McLaurin, to me, is still a high-level wide receiver, too. Nothing changes there based on this game or last week or anything like that moving forward. I love the guy. And now you have the confidence that you need moving forward if you didn't before. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think he's someone who, when you look at, at, at what he can do, he is an elite player in this league. And I think he's definitely starting to live up to some of the hype that's been given. I think the, the what separates him, I think, from other QBs is the fact that he is he is quarterback proof. I think in, you look at wide receivers, I, I very much, if you look at him and Alan Robinson, they're very, very similar styles of player. Uh, physically, their ability to go up and get it, but their ability just to make things happen. And I think with Terry McLaurin, the only reason he's not a wide receiver one is it's not talent and it's not the uh, ability for him to to generate those kind of numbers. It's purely the team he's on. Um, if he was on a Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if he's on a Dallas Cowboys, this guy's a top three wide receiver in fantasy football. There's no doubt. It's just because the games that Washington are going to play are going to be very much played in the trenches, a lot of brawls, probably not going to dominate that much time of possession, probably going to be one of the bottom eight maybe even six teams when it comes to total plays at the end of the year. And that's the only thing that goes against McLaren. So I'm with you. High-end high end, high end uh, wide receiver too. Um, but yeah, I think uh, absolutely. I think he's one of those players who can break into the top 12. You just asked an interesting question, I can see. Um, is Terry McLaurin the best receiver in, in the NFC East? I that's, still think- that's from Ben, by the way, and I'm going to introduce Ben after the break because the crowd has not seen Ben yet this year. Go ahead, Murph. <laughs> okay, so that's a great question. I, if I'm being on, if I'm going on raw ability, I would give it to CD Lamb. I still think CD Lamb is the best uh, receiver in the uh, NFC East. If I'm talking fantasy, it's interesting. It'd be a toss-up between him, Lamb, and Cooper. I think it'd be close. But if I went for the the pure receiver, if I had to pick one one wide receiver to play on my team, it'd be CD Lamb. That guy's an absolute freak, and he will be dominant in the position for years. Yeah, he's a he's a a true budding super. I mean, he reminds me so much of Randy Moss. To be honest, Absolutely. just the way the way he plays the game, the fluidity he has. I would say it's a 1A, 1B, 1C situation right now when it comes to fantasy. I think they're all in the same territory, frankly. But I'm with you. Raw Billy CD, I would have Terry McLaurin too, though. A Cooper would probably be three for me. But they're all very, 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 very close. Thanks, Ben, for that. We'll be introducing you soon, buddy. Don't you worry. Uh, 
moving on, keep, keep it going. The one thing that was disappointing was Antonio Gibson. And it wasn't disappointing because of his mediocre stat line, at least not for me. What was disappointing is that every two-minute drill, both in the second half and at the end of the game, every third down and longer than five, J.D. McKissick was out there. And this is something that I was I warned MD Nation about heading into this game because the snap count last week, it was, it, I believe it was 32 for Antonio Gibson, 20 for J.D. McKissick. So while the production, while the targets in week one went to Antonio Gibson, I recognize that J.D. McKissick, because he was on the field that much, the production may go his way. This game screamed to me what we saw at the end of last season where Gibson's going to have to go back to that high touchdown rate efficiency in order to carry the RB1 designation that he had for people going into this year because he was he was a top 12 running back for a lot of people this year. Uh, so in order to do that, he's going to have to go back to that touchdown rate, I believe, because I don't think Jaden McKissick's going away when it comes to the passing down. Now, I do think Antonio Gibson will get more than two targets or two targets than he saw last night in most game situations. But he is going to be capped a little bit, I think, from J.D. McKissick. So something to kind of watch out for. However, ultimately, I'm not worried about it. You're not selling off Antonio Gibson. I'm not telling you that. Just kind of be leery of your expectations heading into each week of what to expect out of him because I don't think J.D. McKissick's going away. No, and I, I would I preface this that actually if I'm an Antonio Gibson owner, I'm actually not that disappointed. I'm not that sad. If you're sitting there and you took Antonio Gibson in the third round, expecting him to put up 100-plus scrimmage yards every single week, you have to ask yourself why he's the third round and why he was you know, running back anywhere from 14 to 18 off the board, depending on where you drafted. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. You know, there's a reason this guy wasn't drafted in the top 12. Why I'm saying you should be optimistic is it's a very long season. It's a very long season. Guys are going hurt every week. There's a new running back going down, right? And I say this about a few players. In fact, I went on the Fantasy Pros podcast. They talked about this positively about Darrell Henderson. And I make the same case here. Having that back who is going to take some of the workload off in those third and five situations where realistically you're not going to get a lot of carries. So it's just work, right? It's just work that he will be doing. He might be out in the passing lane. He might be available, but effectively it's extra work. A lot of times going to be underutilized. Why not send the, the other guy out there to take some of that work, some of that, you know, heavy duty, low reward work out there. That's kind of what they're there for. It's kind of what a roster is for. So J.D. McKissick is good for Antonio Gibson. If we had Antonio Gibson out and he was playing 99% of snaps, we've seen it last year. He'll get hurt. He won't play. He won't play 17 games. He won't make it 17 games. Now, these stat lines aren't 
overly encouraging. But at the same point, it's a long season. They will get better. It will get better. And so he's played with two different quarterbacks in two different games. They yeah. played two different systems. At the end of the day, it's going to take a little bit of adjustment. Where you want Antonio Gibson to pay off is where he paid off last season, right up until when he got hurt. And what you wanted was the, the end payoff of the, in the playoffs. It didn't happen. But he, if you noticed him last season, he was a slow burn. That's, and this is what we're getting this season. I think he's just a slow burner. It's nothing to worry about. And I think actually come week five, keep week six, you'll start to see that production kick up. I think you have to play him with the expectation he's a low-end RB2 right now. But he will rise, and I think by the end of the season, he'll be in that RB1 conversation. Yeah, I, look, 5.3 yards of carry last night. The talent's still there. The efficiency is there. You can see it on the field. You're not worried about it from that perspective. They still play in the NFC East, so more times than not, he's going to have a positive matchup due to that as well. Yeah, I'm not like I said, I'm not worried about Antonio Gibson, but JD McKissick is there to stay. So don't expect five to seven targets to go. Don't expect him to have the Christian McCaffrey role like Washington tried to say he was going to have. That, that's pretty much the biggest thing. That so that that's that's the biggest thing I'll take away from Antonio Gibson. Better days are ahead for Logan Thomas. He had an opportunity in the red zone. He could have had a much bigger stat line. Uh I had him ranked as my tight end five heading into this week. That's not going to come to fruition after this, but I'm not worried about him if you have him five catches, 45 yards on seven targets. Again, adjusting from one quarterback to another. Heineke knows who to get the ball to. He knows to get the, he knows to get it to McLaurin. He knows to get the Logan Thomas. And I'm not worried when Curtis Samuel comes back in the role that he's going to play. Logan Thomas, to me, will still be the second most pass targeted uh, player on this roster, even when he comes back. I'll just throw this in there real quick too. McKissick, just to kind of go back to that point, if you're in PPR leagues, he's somebody you could probably pick up kind of like a James White's if you need to in the flex, plug and play him in, in certain games where you know uh, the game script is likely to favor Washington having to come back from behind or throw the ball a little bit more than they would normally like to. Because, I mean, you go back to this, Heineke threw the ball 46 times last night. That's not something Washington typically is going to want to do if they can avoid no. it. Uh, so just kind of keep that in mind. But that's what I was looking at. What do you think about Logan Thomas moving forward? Uh, listen, I like Logan Thomas. I, I think Logan Thomas is a is a good player. I think what he's done moving from quarterback to tight end is, is nothing short of remarkable, right? Um, but listen, there's two. I have two very distinct takes on on tight ends. From a football perspective, I love them. I think they're brilliant for the game. I think they're very necessary. I think it's arguably one of the harder positions to play because you have to block. You have to know the entire playbook for when you're called upon. You have to be receiving. You have to. Do, you have so many different skill sets that just aren't required in any other role on the field. You either have to tackle the ball or tackle the man or you go and catch the ball. You very rarely have to do both unless you're special teams. Right. So that's where tight ends are special. Tight ends in fantasy football, though, are dull. Let's, they, you know, they're dull. Logan Thomas is going to be fine in the sense of he's going to be a low-end tight end one who has touchdown upside every single week. But to be a tight end one, you need five catches or three, three or four catches for 50-odd yards We'll, we'll, we'll get you at least talking about that position. You get to 70 yards, you're, if you get six catches for 70 yards, you're a lock as a, as a, as a tight end one, which in any other position is, is an average day. 
So you're basically looking at touchdowns. And so Logan Thomas, to me, is a play if you've drafted him because you took two or three guys late, which is a strategy that I think is the most viable. You're looking at his touchdown games and where he can get a touchdown. So there'll be some weeks I sit there and think, and I thought last night was one. I thought last night was a game he could get there, and he got the, the end zone look. It didn't happen for him. But that's what you're looking for. You look at other games on their schedule and think, I don't think that's a good play for him this week. I'm going to bench him. If you if you drafted Logan Thomas to be a set and forget, you're going to have these games. They're just going to go like that. And it's all about him getting in the end zone. If he doesn't get in the end zone, he's not going to do you a lot of good. If he does, happy days. That's that's the bottom line. Because as you say, Washington aren't going to throw the ball 40 times a game that often. It's just not going to happen. Um, yeah. And then when you look at where these targets are going to go with McKissick, with uh, Gibson, with uh, McLaurin, with Diamond Brown's going to get a little bit more work. You know, we still got Coach Samuel to get back. There's just a lot of mouths to feed. To And, you know, Thomas is going to be a guy who gets his five or six targets a game. And that's not bad. But is it that exciting for fantasy football? No. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, and I, you know, Heineke played a great game. He's still not on my fantasy radar of your streaming capabilities. You're just glad that he's competent enough to keep the rest of the guys that you want to be fantasy relevant, fantasy relevant. What I want to do is I want to take a quick break. I want to get a word in from our sponsor. We'll come back on the other side and start previewing some of these later week two matchups and get you guys ready for your weeks and help you guys get the edge you need to win. So stay tuned on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. The NFL is back in action, and so is winning season at MyBookie. With over $500,000 in contest prize money, winning season makes the big games better and the victories even sweeter. Head to MyBookie.ag and choose from a variety of boost contests and promotions up for grabs, highlighted by the crown jewel of winning season, the famed MyBookie Super Contest. And it only costs $10 to enter. Pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. If you missed out on week one, don't even sweat it because entries are still open, and all it takes is one solid week to get you back in the mix. Don't just take my word for it. Join now and start your winning season with MyBookie today. In order to get you started, make your first deposit at MyBookie.ag and use promo code MDFANTASY to instantly receive double your deposit. That's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using promo code MDFANTASY. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with a great guest today, Mr. Murr from 5-Yard Rush. Make sure you check them out. They're available everywhere we are on every one of your favorite pod streaming apps and at 5-Yard Rush on social media, so make sure you find that. And for the first time this year, Mr. Intern Ben is back. You're back. What's going on, Ben? How you been? I'm here, you know, I was gone for the summer. I was doing a different internship, but, you know, I couldn't resist Dan in the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Um, we got back in contact a few weeks ago, and here I am. I'm happy to be back. Love having you back. And you guys got to go check out our TikTok channel. I mean, I I do the, you know, the, the clips, but Ben's the one who doctors them up and throws them out there and, and makes them all fancy for me. So, uh, Ben, where can you check out the TikTok channel at? Uh, check out the TikTok channel, MD's Fantasy Football Show. Uh, that's just where you type in in the search bar. We'll come up and you'll see our great content that we've been posting. As the season goes on, we give you everything from fantasy picks to betting picks. So there's a lot of good content out there, a lot of money you can make, whether it be in your fantasy league or betting. 
Absolutely. And Ben will be back with us for the mailbag segment. And it hasn't happened yet, but if Murph and I happen to disagree on anything as we go through these previews, he'll be back to break the tie as well. So, Ben, you go ahead and go back to the scenes and we'll do some intern things and we'll talk to you real soon. All right. Really excited to get Ben back in there. Now, let's dive into this Minnesota-Arizona matchup. Arizona looks so dominant against Tennessee. It's week one. A lot of things are up in the air. Minnesota coming off a disappointing loss against the Cincinnati Bengals. A lot of things to take out of that game, too. Here's what stays consistent. Dalvin Cook is actually going to be my RB1 on the week. I don't buy that Arizona is suddenly really good defensively. I don't buy that they're a good rush defense. Dalvin Cook, while not efficient against Cincinnati, was disappointing from that standpoint. Still fantastic from a fantasy standpoint. I expect to be excellent in this game. My number one guy for the week. Uh, The big thing I kind of want to dive into more is Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen keeping up his touchdown rate, apparently. I I still think there's going to be aggression as we go throughout the season, but did have two touchdowns there a week ago. Justin Jefferson, though, I think he has a bounce back game. He makes my top 10 this week. What are you looking at in the Minnesota Vikings there, Murph? I'm not a million miles away from you. I am uh, slightly different. So we'll start with Cook. I have him at RB3 for the week. Um, I have uh, CMC and and, uh, Nick Chubb uh, ahead of him just because I think their matchups will and the way that the usage will go, I think we'll just exude to them. But I agree with you. I think this is a decent matchup for Cook to exploit and expect a bounce back back this week. I'm going to be slightly contrarian here and say that I prefer Adam Thielen this week. Now, I actually have Adam Thielen at seven. Ooh. I just think this is uh, spicy, right? I'm it definitely is. over the consensus. I'm just looking at where I am over consensus on Adam Thielen. His consensus is 15, so not far from where you are. So I'm plus eight on the consensus here at Fantasy Pros. But I just think with that red zone usage, this is going to be a shootout game. They're going to need scores to keep up with Arizona. And I think that Cousins just trust Thielen where it matters in the pay dirt. I still think it's a good week for, for Justin Jefferson. I have him at 14. Um, I'm not sitting here saying, you're free, Justin Jefferson, but far from that. <laughs> but I just think this is one of those games where I can see Arizona getting out in front early, similar to where Minnesota were last week. And Minnesota are going to have to come back from behind to try and keep the pace. That's Those are those matchups that Adam Phelan has eaten on for years. And I just think he is off to going to have a very, very good week. So, if you own either, you're starting them, like no matter what. Like You should feel right. pretty confident that they're both going to perform for you this week and deliver you a dub. Yeah, I don't take anything from the Tennessee game. This is a poor secondary where both of these guys could go off. But just for fun, let's bring Ben in. Ben, break this tie on uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Which one would you want to have ahead of the other? It's tough just because last week, I mean, I was one of the guys that assumed Thielen wasn't going to have a great season. I thought he obviously was very touchdown dependent. Um, So I definitely still favor Jefferson. I think Jefferson is a receiver I'd want to start this week as well. Um, But Adam Thielen's going to probably continue to prove me wrong knowing him. I think it helps him out that Jefferson kind of asserted himself as the cornerstone wide receiver. So I think teams are giving a lot more pressure on our more game plan around Justin Jefferson. And as a result, we kind of see Thielen breaking out a little bit more uh, in terms of target, in terms of, uh, you know, touchdown share because just because defenses aren't putting as much pressure on him. All right. Thank you, Ben. And that's why, don't worry, Murph, I pay Ben to agree with me. So that, that's the whole, that's the whole reason we keep him around here. Ben, we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So either way, you're playing all those guys. 
You go to Arizona side, and for me, it's pretty straightforward. I believe there, too. I mean, obviously, Colin Murray, he's going to be in my top five this week. I, I struggled putting him higher than four uh, for this particular week just due to the matchups that Brady and Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes have and what that's what those games are going to look like. So I do have him at four there, but obviously must play. And then when I move the running back, this is where I got a little more interesting for me. Chase Edmonds, to me, is one of my must-starts. I actually did, uh, speaking of TikTok, I did a little TikTok video on it. He's one of my must-starts of the week. He comes in at RB17 for me. I like this matchup. I like what I saw last week. He was explosive. He was efficient. He had all the passing down work. James Conner, while physically actually looked like he's a little bit of better shape than he was a season ago, still the inefficient runner that he was a season ago. On top of it, I think it might be sooner rather than later before Edmonds starts to edge him out carry-wise. And as a result of that, I like Evans a lot going into this game. I think he's a very safe floor with the ability to break one in this bet matchup. So for me, he's a must-start at RB17. Yeah, I also have him at RB17. Uh, oh, that's look exactly at that. where I have him. So uh, I have James Conner at 42. So I, I think Edmonds is going to rustle away this this role uh, very quickly. There was a lot of talk. It was a 1A plus B. This is a – I don't think it's that. I think, I think Edmonds is getting – probably 70% of this role moving forward. Um, I'm slightly lower than you on Murray, just because I, I have some respect for this Minnesota defense. So I have Murray at six. Um, again, not much lower, just a tad lower. But I struggled to get him a, a little bit higher. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think Edmonds at 17 is exactly where I've got him. And, and I'm with you. I think he's a must start and think he's going to, it wouldn't shock me if he finished above RB17. I'm just struggling to get him any higher than that right now. I think, it, as you say, it's a great matchup and they will, you know, the, you have to think about how the game's going to play. I think Arizona gets up early, and I think they're going to try and control the game, and I think that's what they'll do with Edmonds, and I think he's going to get a lot of work in that regard. So I think, you know, you might see, you might not, depends on whether Minnesota can bring it back, make it close, and then maybe force Arizona to to change tactic. But I would expect Arizona to take the lead quite early. I would expect them to try and control the game, and I expect Chase Edmonds to really be a dagger for the for the Vikings in this one. Love it. Love it. Hey, we're on the same page. Come to chase dead on the money too. at that. And that's something you see very often. Yeah. I, look, I know Anthony Barr didn't play last week. If he does play, that's obviously a big help for that Minnesota defense. We'll see how that's going to be able to, you know, go throughout the practice reports coming out today, coming out tomorrow. We'll keep you up to date on social media at the lip MDFF show, especially when it comes to that aspect of it. DeAndre Hopkins is my wide receiver four for the week. Obviously, must play. Nothing to talk about there. But what I would do want to get into a little bit, A.J. Green looked like the same A.J. Green he was to me last year. He doesn't look like there has been a rebirth or resurgence. DeAndre Hopkins can talk all he wants to about how great A.J. Green is. Look, he's done. He's washed. Christian Kirk, it won't be long before it's Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore go sliding into that two and three spot. Kirk might already be there after the performance he had a week ago. Kirk comes in at wide receiver 37 for me this week. So just outside the top 36, I am a bit bullish on him because I do think it's going to be Hopkins and Kirk stretching the field. I think you, regardless of Anthony Barr playing, you can attack the secondary of the Minnesota Vikings. So I do have him as somebody that you can contemplate in that flex or low end wide receiver three, high end wide receiver four territory for me this week. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Hopkins. I have him also at four. So um, 100% bought in there. Um, I'm also with you on AJ Green. I have him at uh, 73 on the week. So again, not someone I'd be considering. 
near roster. I'm slightly lower than you on Kirk and more. I actually have them back to back. I have more at 49. I have Kirk at 50. Now, Ooh. I recommended people go out and buy Kirk on the waiver wire. And I think for very good reason. I think you're right. I think Kirk is going to. I think he's cemented that role. I think he's basically kicked AJ Green to the tur- curb and said, you're done. You're done. You're finished. You're here just to basically pick up the scraps, but you're not relevant in this role. See you later. Bye. It's my, and I, I think Christian Kirk needed it. I think Christian Kirk was too comfortable. I think he needed someone to come in and challenge him. And I think maybe that's kind of why they did it. And it's worked. So fair enough. I just don't think this is the game for Christian Kirk. And again, I go back to what I've just said. I look at the game script. I think Arizona gets up early. I think they get up quite comfortable early. I think they really attack this game, go up multiple scores. And then I think they're just going to pound it on the ground. And I think they're just going to go with the short yardage, just maintain the time of possession, just try and control the game and just put the put their feet on the throat of, of Minnesota, so to speak, in terms of just trying to dominate and control this game. And that's the only reason I'm down on Kirk and Moore. I think they'll get work. I think they'll split it between them. Um, I want to see a game where it's a proper shootout. And then that's where I think they'll get a lot more usage. So 49 for Moore, 50 for Kirk for me. Nothing to do with the talent or what I think of them going forward. Just think the game script for me thinks that this is going to be a lower passing attack than what we saw last week. And everybody's going to suffer a little bit with the exception of uh, DeAndre Hopkins because he never suffers. Right, exactly. So I think that's where we're differing on this game. I see this game as a potential shootout. I don't see this game as Arizona getting up early and then controlling the game from there. I see this game as a back-and-forth potential shootout because I think Arizona's defense is going to get a wake-up call. Hey, you're not actually that good what we saw in Week 1. And I think Minnesota's offense is better than what we saw against the Cincinnati Bengals. Their offensive line, they were kind of mixing and matching. They are trying to figure some things out. They just didn't seem as ready to play as they typically were, especially not from what we saw a season ago. And I think that had a lot to do with what happened in that Cincinnati Bengals game. So I see this potential shootout, which is probably why I'm a lot higher on Christian Kirk than you are, because I'm with you in games that are shootouts. I like Christian Kirk as that sleeper little play because he could do things like he did last week. He can hit those big plays. He can make those catches for long touchdowns and really boost his fantasy value that way. I want to add one thing to your point, though, about picking up Christian Kirk and you have Roundel Mo one spot ahead pick up Rondale Moore because even though he wasn't out there a ton last week when he was Kyler Murray looked for him often mm-hmm. his his efficiency from when his routes run and on the field very very high a week ago look for Rondale Moore when AJ Green officially becomes that wide receiver four in a depth chart which should be sooner rather than later you're going to see Rondale Moore's usage go up so buy him now right now on average and I average this out between you know, the major platforms, ESPN, Yahoo, and NFL, try to get, you know, the best stat that I can for who's available in those redraft leagues. Right now, on average, between those three platforms, he's only 15% owned. So you can go get Rondale Moore right now for pennies on a dollar for nothing. You don't have to use a waiver priority. You don't have to use fad budget. Pick him up now. He's going to be a stash later on. It's a special player who's going to utilize in a high-volume, up-tempo offense. Completely agree. Couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. I think that's exactly where I see more. I, um, you know, I think for me, there's there's two guys, maybe three, who I think are in that category with Rondell Moore of people that you can buy now that you will stash on your roster that make some relevance, but not overly. And I put him in the same category as Terrence Marshall Jr. of the Panthers, 
and uh, Anthony Swartz of the Cleveland Browns. I think all three of those guys are guys I think you can pick up off the waiver wire this week. It's going to be difficult to get all three because you're going to have to roster three guys who are going to be a slow burn. So I'd probably rank them more Marshall and Swartz in that order. But if more is gone, go get Marshall. If you can't get Marshall, get Swartz or get two of these guys. And I think these are the guys who, when we're talking about potential league winners come end of season, these guys are going to be solid flex contributors to your roster. And it's about trying to get one step ahead of your competition. Those three guys are going to be the guys that you should get now because they are going to be good come playoff time. And that is what you want. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. Definitely, guys, to keep an eye out on. Uh, betting on this game, look, the line's set at minus three and a half in favor of Arizona. I'm not going to bet the line, but as I said, I see this game as a shootout. The over-under set at 50 and a half. I am betting the over in the Arizona-Minnesota game. Anything Anything you're going to bet there, Mer? Uh, no, I, I don't mind the line. Um, I mean, we don't really do the lines here in the UK, but um, Arizona at minus three and a half, I think, it's quite generous, if I'm honest. I wouldn't be surprised if that line moves a bit more. I don't think the Vikings are, are that great. I don't think they're bad, but I don't think they're that great. We were talking about Arizona as a potential playoff team here. So, yeah, I'd, I'd take Arizona with the points. And, yeah, I'd, see, I'd, I'd be different to you. I'd, I'd look at the under, but I probably wouldn't bet it. I just think that this game could become a bit of a damp squib at the end of it. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I I would fade it, but I understand the logic of shooting the over, and it could it could very well happen. Uh, I just think I'm just for me. I don't. It's not the fact that I think Arizona will won't hold up to their their, their end of the deal. I think they'll get you 35 points. I just question: Do I back Minnesota to get that many? <laughs> That's <laughs> it's it's about whether Minnesota will go ahead and, and get you the way you need to get to, and will they have enough possessions to do it? That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, no, no, all fair. Let's move to Atlanta and Tampa Bay. Uh, Mike Davis on the bust alert for me. I, he's RB39. Frankly, I might not be low enough. I might be lowering him even more than that as we get to Sunday. Uh, just kind of giving the benefit of the doubt with the with the usage. But Calvin Ridley can, remains to be a must play. If anything, you saw that you can throw the ball on Tampa Bay. I didn't love what I saw in Matt Ryan. I'm not going to love what I saw in Matt Ryan all year long. Is why he's one of my best quarterbacks. I don't think he's very good without Julio Jones. I mean, just plain and simple. But he does get the ball to Calvin Ridley. Kyle Pitts comes in as my tight end eight, so you can play him too. I do believe they're going to have to come back from behind, so the volume will dictate to Ridley and Pitts enough for them to maintain your fantasy expectations. I am still very high on Calvin Ridley. He is my wide receiver five on the week. Uh, just because of you can still take advantage of those matchups, the volume I expect him to get. I expect him to get double-digit targets in, in, in this matchup. So Calvin Ridley, must play at number five for me. Kyle Pitts at tight end eight. Everything else I'm staying away from as far as Atlanta is concerned. What about you, Murph? Yeah, I... I, I... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Slightly different with Ridley. I have him at twelve, and here's why I have him at twelve. He's playing the he's playing against the best defensive coordinator in the league. Who are the real weapons in Atlanta right now? Kyle Pitts, which is fine. He's over the middle. They'll, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will concede the yards over the middle. They got the two best linebackers in football as a tandem, so I'm not too worried about that. So I I just think they're going to double cover Ridley. I think they could do that. Carlton Davis is very very good. I think they'll move Jamal Dean over there as well. I think they'll put their two best corners on him. They signed Breland. Uh, no, Pierre Zed they've just signed, sorry. Um, you might yeah. see him on Sunday, and maybe he'll get the treatment and go and, go and take Russell Gage. Don't forget, Russell Gage didn't get a target. Oh, he got two targets, no catches on on Sunday. Um, I like Russell Gage. I think Russell Gage is a, a huge buy-low candidate, but I don't think this is the week for him. It very might be, but I got him at 61, only because I just think they're not clicking as an offense. They don't look prepared. I don't know what um, Arthur Smith and everyone was doing down there in the summer. They weren't practicing, or if they were, they weren't practicing what they're trying to do on the get on the field. They didn't play any of their players in preseason, which I get. Like you don't play them that often, but they didn't play them at all. Like it was weird, and they just looked underprepared week one. And do you know what? They did. <laughs> they're going to look very underprepared this week because you can't turn that on in a week, <laughs> and you're playing the champs. Right. I just, you know, I, I'm very similar to you. I have uh, Davis at 36, purely on volume, not because I think he's going to do anything significant. You know, I've read the at 12. I've gauged in the 60s. I have Pitts at 10. And maybe I'm a little low on Pitts because I think he will get the ball. I think he'll get the ball because I'm looking at where they're going to take away. You know, the only way that Atlanta have got any shot of, of doing anything in this game is to target Calvin Ridley 20 times. Yeah. Which I think might happen. The only way, I think that could happen. But I also think that Carlton, Dave, you just put two men on him. Then you go, right, you, you, we see all this in the Super Bowl, right? Casey came in with two weapons. They came in with Tyreek Hill and they came in with Travis Kelsey. So they said, right, what we're going to do, we're going to take Tyreek Hill out of the game. He might get his odd short catch and maybe a screenplay, but he's not going to get the big play. He's not going to get the big, big play. He's not going to beat us like he did in week 13 last year. So we're going to take him out of the game. We'll let Kelsey get 100 yards. Fine. Between the 20s, he can have his 100 yards. No problem. Fine. You do that because you can't hurt us between the 20s. You'll kick the odd field goal. We'll stop you from scoring in the end zone. And I think it's a very similar, but with worse players. Matt Ryan (laughs) is not Patrick Mahomes. Calvin Ridley is not Tyreek Hill. And Kyle Pitts, whilst very good, and I'm a Florida Gator, by the way, he's not Travis Kelsey. So... I think the I think the matchup that offensive line is poor. You're playing against probably the best pass rush in football. You're playing against the best linebacking tandem in football. This could be bloodbath. I mean, this could really be like ridiculous. Um, so I yeah, I'm with you. I'm fading everyone but Ridley and Pitts. I'm fading yeah. everyone. I don't want any part of this. I think Matt Ryan. I've got Matt Ryan this week at the lowest I think I've ever ranked him. I got him at 26. <laughs> it's funny. I have a 26 as well. We're so we're both <laughs> on the same page there. We're right right on the money. Uh 
Yeah, I, no, I'm with you. And it's, that's a great point with the Super Bowl. It is similar to that with worse players. Uh, not to jump ahead, but this line is set at minus 12 and a half for Tampa Bay. I'm betting on Tampa Bay at minus 12 and a half because I am with you. This is going to be a blowout. And I'm actually confident about that bet. In fact, I'm going to be parlaying that bet up with something else because of how confident I am on that bet. So I, I, I'm i with you as far as this game being a blowout, which is why I go back to fantasy-wise. I think there is double-digit targets in store for Calvin really potentially for Kyle Pitts, which is why I'm a little bit higher on those guys as far as what they can do, just because they have to come back in garbage time. I expect some prevent defense. But yeah, I mean, I'm not touching anything else, and this could be a real bloodbath. On the flip side of that, you go to Tampa Bay. Tom Brady's my number one quarterback on the week. I don't care they're going to play against Atlanta. I don't care that they might try to, you know, have, you know, Typical thinking would be if they get up big, they'll try to run the ball out. It's not what Bruce Arians does. I mean, maybe when there's six minutes left in the fourth quarter, they'll melt that clock. But up until that point, is Brady throw, 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 throw. Atlanta's got nobody to cover these guys. Brady has one-on-one matchups throughout. He's going to be aggressive throughout this game. They're going to pad the stat line. I 100% believe that. So Brady, my number one quarterback on the week. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, all inside my top 20. All must plays for me this week. Very bullish on them as well. I'm just still staying away from the running back situation. I don't care that Bruce Arians says that Ronald Jones is a starter. That means absolutely nothing to me whatsoever. We all saw the second he makes a mistake, he's in the doghouse for the rest of the game. Leonard Fournette is the only running back of that trio between Rojo and Gio that is going to run and still be allowed to catch the football. So he still has the most value for me. He comes at RB30 just because of the matchup. Typically speaking, I'll have him outside the top 36 as well. I don't want to touch a Tampa Bay running back in any game, in any game script, don't until somebody gets hurt or something shakes out between one of these guys. I don't want to touch any of them. So that's my take on Tampa Bay. Where are you at with them? Oh, I'm um, sorry, Rob Gronkowski is my tight end six two. By the way, got right. So I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. I, I I've been. Oh, I was going to ask you who your favorite NFL team is. Awesome. Yeah. So I've been a Bucks fan for 21 years, right? So um, start with that. I'm not one of these new age New England fans, right? I'm not a bandwagon <laughs> fan. Yes. Um. So right with you on the running back situation. And the key thing is, it doesn't matter who the star is, right? The starters are relevant. <laughs> and we goes, oh, Rojo's the starter. Do you know what the starter means? It means he plays the first series. <laughs> right. Big whoop. <laughs> Big right, whoop. Exactly. doesn't matter. Like, Alexander Matteson could play the first series for the Vikings and all of a sudden be headline news. But then Davin Cook could play every other series. It doesn't matter. It, just, it doesn't matter. So uh, I'm with you. Um, let's start with the... the yeah, so... QB situation, I have Brady at five. The only reason I have Brady at five is he just doesn't run. And that's really about it. So I think he'll have a great game. He'll be up there for sure. Maybe they take it easy in the fourth quarter. I don't know. But I have him at five. But he could surprise me and go up a bit further. Um, You have Gronkowski at six. I have Gronkowski also at six. So I'm completely on board with you there. I think Gronkowski was massively slept on in draft season, and people are paying for that. I gobbled up that value everywhere, and I'm delighted to have got it. Um, I also have Evans, Godwin, and Brown in my top 20. I have Evans at nine, Godwin at 16, and I have Antonio Brown at 19. I think this is more of an Evans matchup because, as you say, the Falcons can't cover anyone. So I think Evans bounces back. I think he will find the end zone. I think he'll have a very, very good week. And then I'm with you. Fournette at 27, I've got for me again, matchup. I would also have him outside the top 30, but I just think they'll put the beat down and they'll use Fournette. Rojo I have at 37, and Gio at 46. So don't worry about Rojo being the star. It just doesn't matter. 
Right. Doesn't matter at all. It is literally the most irrelevant. I love the fact it gets reported it's news. It's not news. No one cares. Literally, no one cares. <laughs> it's just so, it's just, yeah, with Bruce Arians and the running backs, it's just so funny to watch. Uh, the Mike Evans thing, I want people to be very, very confident in playing Mike Evans, not selling on Mike Evans. Don't look at that game last week. I know it was a shootout game, and Godwin and Antonio Brown stole the show. When you go to this week with this matchup, the thing that is typical about a Tom Brady and a Bruce Arians is that when it comes to Mike Evans, if he had a bad week the week before, they're usually going to put a little emphasis to make sure he gets involved the following week, especially when the matchup dictates. This is that type of game. That's why I actually have him ranked ahead of Godwin and Antonio. Uh, Antonio, I was almost going to say Antonio Gibson, Antonio Brown this week. Yeah, and, and the other thing you've got to remember with, with Evans, right, is Evans is going to have these weeks. He's going to have these weeks where he doesn't score. It's He's had his entire career. Go look at every season he's been a wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. He always has these blips. So there's these, these games happen. You're doing it over the season. You will have these big weeks where he will win you weeks. And that's what you're looking for is those matchups where he will. And the reason why I think this is going to be a heavy, heavy game for him, really simply, is because you look at what, happened in in games he draws so many fouls he draws so many penalties and when you've got corners who are not the best corners in the league try to find a way to put that quite delicately they make mistakes they're handsy they'll grab they'll make mistakes and i think that is where evans will get thrown the ball because they'll get those penalties or they don't make the fouls and he'll catch the ball that's yeah. why he's going to get the targets. It's because it'll be a cheap and easy way for them to, to just get down the field and take advantage. Yeah, 100% agree there. I already gave the line, betting Tampa Bay. So let's move on to Dallas and Chargers. Another game that I think might be one of the big shootouts of the week, potentially, given these two offenses. And I think Dallas is, if they play an offense that's competent, I think they're going to be in a shootout every single week because their defense Thankfully for fantasy, looks just as bad as it did a season, especially in the secondary anyway, looks just as bad as it did a season ago. I'll start on the Dallas side of the ball. Uh, I mean, everybody who you would play is a must play. Dak Prescott is my QB seven on the week. Uh, Look, I know the Chargers have a decent secondary, especially with Derwin James actually being healthy uh, for a change, which is kind of nice, but he looked great. He looked phenomenal against a Tampa Bay defense. I still think is better than the Chargers, ultimately speaking. So I'm not going to be worried about that at all. Ezekiel Elliott, I told you guys last week he was a bus cannon for me. He was outside my top 12. He is my number six this week. Look for him to bounce back. Zach Martin is back in the lineup. That's going to be a big thing for that. But physically, I thought Zeke looked incredible. He looks light. He looked explosive. He picked up blocks. He did everything he was supposed to do. They're going to make sure Zeke gets his stats this week. Not worried about that. My RB6. And then CeeDee Lamb, Mari Cooper. Love them both. I actually have Cooper ranked a little bit of head because of the matchup. I think the way they're going to utilize him. Uh, so I have him actually at 7, CeeDee Lamb at 13. But both must plays for me. Uh, not too far away from you. I'm actually more bullish on Dak. I have him at 3 this week. I think they take advantage of this matchup. I think they will utilize that matchup even more. So I think that they are going to put the ball in the air a lot. I think you're going to see a lot of targets to Lamb and to Cooper. And you're even going to see some Cedric Wilson here as well. So yes. uh, very comfortable putting Dak at three this week. Uh, Zeke, a little lower, nine, but still must start. Um, I think he's still going to be fine and still going to put up good numbers. But yeah, I don't think he's going to get that quite top, top elite tier work just yet. But I think we'll see it at some point. 
I have Cooper at 10. I also have Lamb at 13. I have Cedric Wilson at 66. Um, wouldn't shock me if you saw Cedric Wilson shoot up a little bit from there, but just want to see how he is because he didn't really figure much in, in week one. So let's see uh, see what he does before I, I move him up in the rankings higher. But yeah, I'm with you. I think this is a Cooper matchup. Uh, I have him just a nudge ahead of Lamb, but they're both smash plays this week. Yeah, absolutely. And and good mention about Cedric Wilson. Uh, Michael Gallup, three to five weeks while he's out, Wilson will be stepping into his starting role. But that also helps, I believe, C.D. Lamb and Mari Cooper because just consolidates the target a little bit more. And you're not really worried about a Dallas tight end getting overly involved on top of it. So just consolidation to the guys that you want to play. On the Chargers side, I'll tell you what, I have maybe four or five DFS lineups. Every single one, I have a Herbert-Mike Williams combo heading into those matchups. Love the way they use Mike Williams. Love the target share that he got a, a week ago. And he just looks ready to play. He, he looks like he's meant for this Joe Lombardi offense. You're going to be in a great matchup that should be high scoring in Dallas. Justin Herbert, my QB 10. I'm probably going to move him up a little bit as we get closer to Sunday, most likely. And then I have Mike Williams at my wide receiver 19, a must-star for me. Keenan Allen at wide receiver 13. Obviously, you're playing him. I'm not leaving him out. Just It's, it's, it's a given. And then Jared Cook is somebody who's a little bit of a sleeper for me. I actually have him at tight end 12. He had eight targets last week. He's the one who does know the offense moving in. I think this offense is consolidated around those three pass catchers. Don't worry. Austin Eckler will get his target share again this week. I, you know, He's coming off the hamstring injury. I think they just wanted to utilize him in a safe way, not get him hurt. Uh, a week ago, it was a tough matchup against Washington. We know Austin Eckler is going to catch the ball. We know his role in this offense. So look for him to bounce back as well. And I have him at RB13 uh, for me this week. And that might be even a little bit too low. We'll see as we get closer to the week. But bullish on all the Charger players this week. Yeah, I mean, I'm not far behind you on everyone with the exception of Mike Williams. In fact, I'm ahead of you on everybody else. Wow, um, I'm with you. I, I think this is an absolute... Uh, team I want to be smashing in fantasy this week. Um, let's start with Herbert. I have him at quarterback four. I think uh, I think Dallas are poor. I think they listen. This is historically one of the I worst defenses we we we've seen, and I think I think they're going to let I'm going to think they're going to let Herbert just bring it out there. Um, and that does bring guys like Guyton and um, KJ Hill into play here. And I think you wouldn't shock me if either one of those guys got a touchdown. I'm struggling about where they are. So I've got them both outside the top 75, but I think one of those guys will not be in the top 75. I just, or I think one of them will be further up. Right. We get to Eckler. I have Eckler 10, a similar thing. I think they're just going to just let Eckler cook. I think they're just going to give him the ball. I think they're going to toss the ball to him. I think they're going to feel very comfortable. Uh, just getting him back to where he was going. I think they just want to get him rolling where it is. As you said, 13, bit low. I, I'm with you. Uh, I have Keenan Allen at three. Mm-hmm. And the reason I have Keenan Allen at three is is I'm probably less bullish on Mike Williams than you are. Uh, I have Mike Williams at 31. And I still think he's a play. I still think with that upside, I would be starting him in most leagues, um, at least as a flex if I'm not putting him in as a wide receiver. Um, because I, I, I like what you say. I think it's true. I think they will try and get in the ball. I think he is built for this offense. I just, it's time. I think it's just time. And the only thing that's ever worried me about Mike Williams isn't the receptions. It's the amount of touchdowns he comes down with. Now, you should sit here and say that touchdowns are random. They don't really, you know, they're just the byproduct of the work effectively. But he's consistently underperformed in that touchdown column his entire career. So you have to take some 
aspect of that. And it's the only reason until I see him consistently finding the end zone. I have to hold him back just a little bit, but not lots. Um, so 31. But yeah, Keenan Allen, I think, gets all that work across the middle. I've Cook at 15, and I'm okay. with you. The only reason I'm a little bit lower is I don't think he finds the end zone. If he does, that's fair. If he does, if he finds the end zone, he, he's going to be tight end seven, tight end eight. That's the only difference. I think he'll get the. I think he'll get his five to sixty. Five, yeah, I mean five for fifty, five for sixty. I think that's what you're kind of looking like. Uh, you're going to get. I think you get a solid ten points out of Jared Cook. I just think there's some other plays this week that might pay out a bit more. I like. I like. I got some breaking news. Breaking news. Wolf Fuller is out uh, for a personal issue, apparently, this Sunday, not because of an injury. So we'll get some more clarification as we go along as to what that personal issue is, what is going to be happening with him moving forward. They're not going to reveal it at all. It's not injury-related, but he is not going to suit up. So Parker and Waddle will probably move up my board a little bit more as we go back after this show. I want to take a quick break. Well, actually, sorry. First, we got to talk about the betting of this game. Uh we have, I'm just betting the over. I don't care. It says 55, 55 is the over under. I'm still going over. I see both of these teams, both of these teams getting into the thirties. If not, maybe, you know, 30, 27, but I'm betting the over at 55. I'm not betting the line. The Chargers are favored by minus three and a half because it's in Los Angeles. Uh, I can see that game going either way as far as that goes, but I am betting the over at 55. Yeah, I'll be reviewing that. All right, let's take a quick break, get a word in from our sponsor. We have a few more games to talk about. We have the mailbag segment at the end, so everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show or watching it live on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show or on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show as soon as you get a chance. Of course, we'll be available to you after this on every single one of your favorite pod streaming apps. And make sure you check us out tonight, 7.30. We'll be on the Unhinged Radio Network, unhingedsn.airtime.pro for more content later on today. I want to dive into the Tennessee-Seattle game. Ten- There's a lot of questions that need to be answered in Tennessee. Now, that offensive line, what are you going to do? How are you going to figure that out? Todd Downing, you're going to have to schematically help out your offensive line. That much is clear. You can't let one guy get five sacks on you. And you're playing against Seattle, who should they have a good defensive line this year. I think you can still take advantage of them in the secondary, but they still have a good defensive line, a good pass rush, and as long as Jamal Adams is there, that defense is a competent defense. So it's going to be curious, how do you address those issues going to that? As a result, I don't think that it's issues that you can turn around in one week and fix. Remember, this team 
had a lot of problems between injuries and COVID issues. They did not get the cohesion. They did not get the practice time that most teams did this preseason. I think that we saw that on week one come into full effect. As a result, Ryan Tannehill outside of my top 12, he is my QB 14. I planned on being more bullish on him, but I just can't after what I saw a week ago, not trusting it to turn around completely. And I'm probably too low on this. I'm probably going to bring him up a little bit higher. But A.J. Brown right now in my initial rankings came out to wide receiver 21 and Julio Jones at wide receiver 32. Julio Jones, one of my bus candidates on the week. Because what's going on is everybody on paper is looking at that wide receiver cornerback matchup. And they're saying, oh, Julio has a plus matchup this week. Take advantage of it. Hammer it home. And I'm saying, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He did not look very sharp to me physically. He looks like he's still trying to get his legs under him last week. He did not get, again, he did not get a lot of reps in with Ryan Tannehill in this offense because he was dealing with his own hamstring issue. I don't think he's ready to turn around in one week. So he's one of my best candidates at wide receiver 32. Derrick Henry, I have him a little bit lower at RB11, but I'm still playing him. I still have confidence in him. He might be higher than that by the time this, this thing ends up. But they got to get back to the basics a play-action play calling. Todd Downey, he's not Arthur Smith, but you got to give me some semblance of it before I have overconfidence what I think this Tennessee offense will be by the end of the season, but not necessarily in week two. What are you seeing out of this Tennessee Titan team, Murph? I wish I were aligned to this hilarious. We didn't even share our ranks beforehand, but I'm not that far off from you. Tyler Hill I have at 13. Uh, Derek Henry I have at 14. So okay. again, similar reasons to you. Just don't think that offense is clicking. I'm slightly higher on AJ Brown. I have AJ Brown at 15, but again, I still don't have him in wide receiver one territory. But I'm starting him, and Julio Jones I have at 43. Wow. Similarly to you, bust, but also you know the subtext of this is he pissed off Mike Vrabel. There was conversations <laughs> to be had. They weren't happy. They certainly and you know when you piss off your head coach, right? If you have proven yourself to that head coach over time that's right. not overly going to affect your performance on the field you're going to get called your number's going to get called that's going to happen because they're not going to bite their hand off despite their face right when you look as bad as julio jones looked last week do you really think calling his number that often is something that's going to be high on the priority of mike vrabel and the offensive coordinator it's not going to happen like it's just, it's just he'll get some work he'll get a couple of catches here and there but he's not going to get the high value targets because they want to teach him a lesson and it's not like they're finding the hand off despite the face because this isn't julio jones of 2015 2016 2017 this is a man who doesn't look great doesn't look sharp he's struggling to separate yeah i i fade julio jones everywhere you can if you can get away from it now whilst you still can I think he might rebound later on in the season. I think I've got him at like wide receiver 29 on the rest of the season around that sort of range. And I think that's fine as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. He's going to fluctuate between there. Might have a good week every now and again, but this is not it. No, yeah, that's, so we're both on the same page as far as that goes. You're even, you know, sat more sour on him than I am. Uh, I'm just kind of leaving it out that he might... He might get some volume out of necessity because I think Seattle is going to be up in this game, control it late. So I'm kind of, I am at 32, looking at the idea that they might have to come back from behind. There might be some extra volume that wouldn't necessarily be there. But I'm with you. He doesn't have the rapport with the coaching staff to go after them like that. And that's going to be a big factor heading into this week, 100%. I go to Seattle side and I'm bullish on everybody as you would expect. Russell Wilson's my number two quarterback on the week. Uh, he had a great week last week. He's still doing Russell Wilson things, still having an incredible touchdown rate against a better defense in the Colts. 
after what you saw the Tennessee's defense last week, you can't really have confidence that they can stop anything. This will be a DK Metcalf game rather than a Tyler Lockett game. Having said that, both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett inside my top 10. I have DK Metcalf at three, Tyler Lockett at six on the week. Bullish on both. This offense is a 1A, 1B situation with these wide receivers. I love the new offensive coordinator in Shane Waldron because the system he brings with him from the Rams, I think, fits those two receivers perfectly, especially for a 1A, 1B type of wide receiver group where there's not really a third receiver involved. We've seen Robert Woods Cooper Cup just have good games after good games consistently. That's going to continue on, I believe, in Seattle. Chris Carson, love him. My RB9. I have him in the top 10 this week. Love love the volume that he's getting. Love the way he looks. He's running angry, and I love it every single second of it. He's getting all the targets. Guess what? Rashad Penny, boop, he's already gone. No surprise there. Chris Carson all day, every day. Everett, I don't have him in my top 24, but I do like him as a DFS play, as a cheap tight end to kind of look at if you're looking to go that angle. But Seattle, incredibly bullish, as you would expect in this game. Where are you at, Murph? Similar in a lot of ways. It's quite scary. <laughs> I, I'm slightly lower on Wilson. I have him at eight. And the only reason I have him a bit lower again is I just think there's going to be some production elsewhere from others that are going to shoot them up. And I still think Russell Wilson has a very good week. Uh, and I don't think you have anything to worry about starting him. I have him at eight because I think it's anything he's going to do. I think it's going to be a slight bit of control. I think they're going to dominate this game and I think they might just uh, ease the pressure out. And as a result, I have Chris Carson. You thought you had him high at nine. I have him at eight. I'm nice. on exactly the same page as you. Um, I think he's he's just running so well and so clean right now. I think he mops up all this volume and all the opportunity there. Um, I also think it's DK Metcalf week. I have him at six. I have uh, Tyler Lockett at 11. I think both okay. of them dial in and, and do well this week. And slightly higher than you on Everett, I have him at 20. But again, not someone I'm desperate to start. But I can see him potentially dinking a touchdown and getting himself vaulted up from that position but he's touchdown dependent to be played and i think to be honest they're going to go to carson metcalf and lock it yeah 100 the the lines on this game if you could do a same game parlay depending on what book that you use now we use my bookie here but if you, you can use the same game parlay i'm going to parlay seattle minus six and a half and the over at 54 and a half in this game. Uh, I do think Tennessee gets their offense going enough to put up some points on their end. Seattle should have no trouble scoring. I think he's got a good chance for another shootout here in this matchup. So give me six and a half, minus six and a half for Seattle, and the over at 54 and a half. Very confident on both of those things. Hey, Murph, let's go to the Sunday night game. I, I was I was very excited for this game until I watched the Ravens play Monday night, which was a little bit perplexing. But I'm still excited for this game. Kansas City, Baltimore, going into Baltimore. Can they bounce back? Kansas City, I mean, it's pretty much straightforward as far as what you're doing. Mahomes is my QB three on the week. He could be the QB one any given week. Tyree Kill is my wide receiver two. Travis Kelsey is my tight end one. Uh, I think the only thing you're questioning is where's the value on Clyde Edwards Lair? He comes in at RB20 for me this week. That's the guy that we should talk about a little bit, though, because he there's a lot of red flags for me. It's they're still lining up in a lot of shotgun at the red zone. I always questioned his ability to finish in the red zone to begin with, even with the improvements in the offensive line. Uh, there was definitely no extra emphasis, and they had to come back from behind in that game last week. There was no extra emphasis to check the ball down the Clyde Edwards are like they had been touting about all uh, season long. And Mahomes is just he's never going to be a check down quarterback. It's just not going to happen. So unless they call the screens, I believe, or the swing passes for Clyde Edwards, I just don't. I think he's going to be limited as far as what he's going to be able to do is uh, volume wise. 
Uh, do you need him to get a collection of it? He's still clearly number one running back on a high scoring offense. That's why he's always going to be an RB two for me. But I think there's a limitation to his ceiling, especially in a matchup against Baltimore that is good against the run. They are good against the run, but I think, you know, you, you look at what he's going to do. He's not going to be as bad as he was last week. And it's about volume. Um, I agree with you. There's some questions on whether he can finish. There's some questions about um, breaking off those really big runs. But he got 17 touches last week. I think he, he's going to get closer to 20 touches uh, this week. And I think that's the reason I have him slightly higher. I have him at 15 purely on that touch count. I think of 19, 20 touches, I think he'll produce enough to put him at RB15. But I'm with you. I don't think he has that elite level of performance that's going to get him to be a significant RB1 every week. But you know what? You didn't draft him there. And that's the difference. Um, you drafted him to be a solid and safe RB2, and that's exactly what he is. Um, he's almost going to be borderline boring from a stat line perspective. But do you know what? Those guys win your championships. So uh, if, you, if you're viewing Kyle Hibbert-Hilaire as, as an RB1 and you drafted him as so, you're going to be disappointed. If you took him in the third round as someone who is going to be your running back anywhere between 13 and 18, you're probably going to be quite happy because that's where he's going to deliver. He'll be right on the money every time. I got a question here from uh, Jaden on YouTube. How should I set my lineup? I got Josh Allen, Ryan Tannehill, Aaron Jones, Najee Harris, Tyson Williams, Devontae Adams, Brandon Cooks, Corey Davis, Devonta Smith, Saints D, Bills D, Harrison Bucker. Uh, I just want to say, first of all, that's a lot to throw at somebody on a show live. And second of all, a uh, great team. Great team. Uh, I would actually play Ryan. I actually have Ryan Tannehill, believe it or not, two spots higher than Josh Allen this week. I, Josh Allen was another bus candidate for me. Uh, just based off the Steelers game and Miami Dolphins having a similar defense. You can't be one-dimensional. You can't be one-dimensional. And that's what it, it's going to backfire when you play good defenses. So I, I, if you drafted Josh Allen, I'd be having a hard time not starting him. But technically, I do have Ryan Tannehill two spots ahead. I have them both as QB2s. Aaron Jones will be great. Najee will be great. You play both of them. Devontae Adams will be great. You play him, obviously. And then I would have Brandon Cooks and Devonta Smith over Corey Davis this particular week. The you know, Patriots, they take away that top receiver, that top guy every time. And then, uh, yeah, and if you have a flex play, if I'm looking at this correctly, Tyson Williams is a fine play this week. That's probably based on what you have here. It's probably what I would go, and I would play the Saints defense. So, Jaden, if you got all that, there you go. Murphy, you have any comments for that? I'd switch quarterbacks. I have Josh Allen at seven. I think if you drafted him with the ability, listen, you've got to remember that they don't have any running backs that can run the football in. So if they get inside the 20 or inside the 10, Josh Allen's running it in. So if you're playing in a, in a league, it's four point per passing touchdown, but he's going to get six points for the rushing touchdowns. So that's always going to give him a significant edge over someone like Ryan Tannehill. Uh, ben from behind the scenes is trying to ask us, you know, Clyde Edwards, Alaire or Chase Edmonds this week. I mean, for me, it's Chase Edmonds this week. I, I'm literally have them almost back to back at 15 and 17. I try and find a way to start them both because there's no way I'm not starting two top 17 running backs. Yeah, that generally speaking, probably I'm hope Ben, we'll talk to you in a minute, but hopefully you have a flex spot where you can play both of those guys. Uh, talk about the Chiefs, go to the Ravens side of the ball. I know Lamar didn't look great, but what does he do? He runs. Fantasy purposes, that's all I need him to do. Comes in for me, QB8 this week. You're going to have to play him. The volume will be there. I believe he'll have to come back from behind. We got to see exactly where Marquise Brown is. He didn't practice the last two days. Uh, hopefully, we get another report today. 
to see if he's going to be good to go or not. If he's not, Sammy Watkins, who I have ranked at wide receiver 55 at the moment, he may get up to that higher end wide receiver four territory just based on volume going up against his old team. If Marquise Brown's out, there's still no Rashad Bateman. Uh, it just be it would just be Sammy really and Mark Andrews as far as the two targets are concerned. So some potential there to keep your eye on that if Brown isn't going to play. Right now I have him at 55. Tyson Williams, we just talked about him a second ago. I am at RB 31 this week. He's still the most explosive running back, that's for sure. We'll, I ho- I'm hoping, being that Latavius Murray looked very slow to me, at least to the eyeball test, and was inefficient with the 10 carries that he had. I know he had one extra carry in Tyson Williams, but he looked very inefficient. I'm hoping that the missed block by Tyson Williams did not put him in the doghouse because to me, he's definitely the best running back they have. And they need that running game in order for that offense to do what it needs to do. So Greg Roman, stop getting cute. Stop trying to play everybody first and foremost. I don't know what Devonta Freeman has left or Le'Veon Bell has left that makes you feel compelled to play all these guys because they don't play special teams. So I can't see how all four of these guys are going to be active anyway. We'll see how that breaks down. But for me, moving forward, it's definitely Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray. Williams will be the guy who kind of comes into my RB3 territory. Again, the unfortunate state of the Ravens is that they just don't throw the ball enough to the running backs for him to get that volume that you need where he could, I think he could be an RB2 if that volume was in place, but it's just not there with this team. And then, of course, Mark Andrews, he comes in for me at tight end nine. He's, go, he's always going to be a top 10 tight end for me. So Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews playing with confidence, and the other guys I'll sprinkle in depending on what the situation is coming out of practice today. Yeah, uh, I'm not too far away from you on, on all points with the exception of um, Tyson Williams. So I've Lamar at 10, again, volume. Just don't think he, he's going to quite get there. They'll contain him. I actually have Tyson Williams at 23, and I have Latavius Murray at 39. So you're more um, confident I think, than I am on these guys. I am more confident. I think Tyson Williams is getting 65 to 70% of this role moving forward. Murray's only really just got in the building. He's only just getting going. Um, I think that does take a bit of an acclimatization to it. And also, you've got to remember what Latavius Murray is. He's predominantly just to sort of pound it back. And, you know, there's some there's some real sort of view in that. And, and in games where they're going to be heavily up, he's going to get a lot more work. This is a game they're going to be behind. They're going to need that explosion. They're going to need uh, someone to really move the chains. Tyson Williams is that guy who's going to move the chains. So in this matchup in particular, I think he's going to get called upon a lot more, especially if there's question marks over Marquis Hollywood-Brown. I have him at 35 if he goes. If he doesn't, I have Watkins at 65. I'd move Watkins up to maybe circa 50. 67, I have Watkins, so maybe 60, 50 or something. I have Andrews at 7. Um, but yeah, I... I think Tyson Williams this week is is someone that I would play. I think if you've got him, you you would have either spent significant fab on him. I think you've got to play him. And I think this is the matchup. If you don't play him this week, I'd question why you got him because this is the sort of matchup which, even though they're going to be behind because they don't throw the ball that much and they rely on the run so much, this is the perfect matchup for him. It's almost unconventional wisdom, right? Because it's so different to every other team. They play football completely differently to the other 31 teams in the league where you have to look at where the touches are going to be from when they're behind. And I can see Williams dominating them. As far as the betting on this game goes, Kansas City is the road favorite at minus three and a half. I'm going to take that bet. Uh, just mm. Baltimore has a lot that they got to figure out defensively. They have to. They also have to realize that you can't play man. If you don't have Marcus Peters and you don't have Jimmy Smith out there and all you got is Humphrey, you got to stop playing man all the time. And Raiders lit them up and they have, you know, Darren Waller and nobody else. So Kansas City... Big time on them while the Ravens try to get things figured out at minus three and a half. Let's get into this 
<laughs> Monday night game, which I expect to be an obliteration of the Green Bay Packers against the Detroit Lions. I, I Merv, I don't know if you saw this on social media, but I I did get a chuckle out of the conspiracy theories of Rodgers came back to sabotage the Green Bay Packers season. I just I found a, no truth to it whatsoever, but I found it absolutely hilarious. He comes back in week one and lays just the egg that he did. But Rodgers always bounces back. And there's not a better matchup you could have asked for to bounce back and get right in this ball game. Rodgers comes at QB six for me. Aaron Jones bounces back. He's my RB three on the week. I think he's just going to get a ton of volume, both receiving and rushing. And he's just, you know, it sky's the limit as far as his ability to make a big play here against this particular defense. Vonzi Adams, my wide receiver one. Those are the guys I'm playing. Tanyan's in that streaming territory for me, but I think there's still better options you can kind of lean on. But the big three that you drafted, Sky's the limit for them. There's a potential that all three of the guys could finish at number ones in their positions after this week. So I have Rogers at one for that reason. Nice. He's going to be so angry. And he's playing <laughs> the Lions. He doesn't like the Lions. It's a divisional rivalry. It's at Green Bay on Monday Night Football under the lights. Do you really think Aaron Rodgers has thought of nothing else over the past <laughs> seven days, six right. days, whatever it is, since he absolutely got destroyed by... Jameis Winston and the, the New Orleans Saints. He's literally been behind closed doors plotting his revenge. And he is going to absolutely tear it up because he's he that's what he thrives on. He yeah. thrives on proving people wrong. And right. he is gonna do it. Um Aaron Jones I have at five instead of three, but very close. I actually have uh, AJ Dillon at twenty-six. Um, I think wow. AJ Dillon's going to get some work this week because those lines and a touchdown. I would, are, I would assume, yeah. based off those rankings. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's going to get in um, in the red zone, and I think he's going to he's going to get something there. So yeah, very, very confident AJ Dillon is going to do some work this week, and I think you're going to see him come along more and more week to week, similar to what Jamal Williams kind of did a couple of seasons ago. And yeah, Devontae Adams, I have it too. It's just behind. Uh, Tyreek Hill. I think you can kind of mix and match wherever you want to put yeah. them. I think they're going to be one or two in most people's rankings most weeks. So, yeah, I have him at two. And, uh, yeah, I similar to you, I'd stream Tonyan, uh, and I'm not really touching anyone else. Yeah, 100% agree. On the flip side, Detroit, Jared Goff, my sleeper quarterback of the week. He's my QB 12 for nothing else than <laughs> what we saw last week just because of volume. They're going to have, they're, they're literally, first of all, I love the fact that Anthony Lynn played up tempo. So that was my number one takeaway. They played up and not just when they were down, they played up tempo from the first quarter all the way through. So you get those extra plays. I like that they did that. Jared Goff, it's mind boggling. I agree. It's mind boggling, but against Green Bay's defense that is susceptible, especially with the matchup with TJ Hawkinson, he's going to be able to go to his safety blankets. He's going to be able to hit Hawkinson. He's going to be able to hit the running backs with consistency. And it's going to be volume, volume, volume. There's no way he doesn't have at least 50 pass attempts in this game. So he comes away for me at QB 12. And then, of course, I'm confident in the other guys. DeAndre Swift coming in at RB 12 for me. Jamal Williams, RB 32. I might be moving him up even more so than that. TJ Hawkinson, my tight end force. So you're definitely playing all those guys involved. What do you think about QB 12, Murph? Um, you realize he doesn't have anyone to throw the ball to out wide, right? Didn't like have it last week either. <laughs> yeah, but he relied on a lot of yak. 
No, yeah, 100%. (laughs) You're relying on him to get... You're basically relying on him to accurately complete passes and other players to make the plays. That is ultimately what you're relying on beyond what would be normal, acceptable levels. Um, I have him at 19, and I'm significantly over consensus. And I thought I had to pour cold water over myself to put him at 19. Consensus, Fantasy Pros consensus. So I rank for Fantasy Pros. Have him at 28. (laughs) I think 28 is too low. I'm at 19, 12. I mean, you're shooting for the moon, my man. I'm, um, yeah, I am. I like I like the running back situations. I actually have them a lot closer to each other than than you do. I have Swift at 21 and Williams at 24. I think they share the workload uh, more. I just don't think you're going to see um, as much. So I have Swift at 21, just over Williams. But I think that they're going to be pretty much splitting that role completely, um, including the catches, because. Let me tell you who I've got as my highest wide receiver. My highest wide receiver I have is Amon Russell Brown. I have him at 77. I have Cleef Raymond at 88. I have Trinity Benson at 92. I have Terrell Williams, if he even goes, at 103. Um, that's ultimately where I can't put Jarek off any higher because he doesn't have anyone that's going to... He might throw the ball 50 times a game, which means he's only going to complete it 30 ish times a game and then i look at where those targets are going and then who is going to make the plays for him to be there the other thing i think you're going to see is i think you're going to see at least two jaragoff turnovers because one he turns over the ball every game he plays anyway but i think he's probably going to turn it over at least twice and i think that's going to hurt him a, a bit more yeah uh, we both actually uh rank ecr for fantasy pros and uh i saw that i saw how significantly higher it was and i didn't care I didn't care because I just look at this. I you're right. I am relying on those yards after catch, but with Swift and Hawkinson against this defense, that's not good against players in the middle. They're not. They can take away the edge guys. They can take away the perimeter guys. They're not good with guys in the middle. I think you might see a similar turnout. I really, I really, really do. And you know, I'm hoping I hit that because I'll look a lot better than everybody else. But I could look like an idiot too. We'll see exactly what happens. Uh, as far as this game's betting concerned, it's kind of similar to the Tampa Bay Atlanta matchup where it's a big line. It's 11. I am taking Green Bay minus 11. There's no reason in my mind they don't win this game by two touchdowns. I don't see why they would. And uh, let's go ahead and get into the mailbag segment before Murph has to take off here. The mail's here. All right, fire away, Ben. What's our mailbag today? All right. Well, our first one is our new one is from me. So I have Zeke and Antonio Gibson at my RB1 and RB2. Gibson already played. It's a one flex league. So I'm between Clyde and Chase Edmonds this week. Wow. Okay. Uh, what, what's your situation in your matchup? Are you projected to, are you projected to, I'm projected to lose? Oh, well, then um, I'm going up. I'm, I'm going up and then. Yeah, okay. Shoot for the upside. I, I mean, yeah, uh, Gibson only put up eight points last night, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I'd be shooting for the upside there, and I think Edmonds is the upside play. I think Clyde is the safe play. I think if you were comfortably in control of your matchup, or you think you you look pretty good to to win it, I'd say Clyde because I think Clyde will give you a safety net points. But if you you're looking like you need to make some up, I'd be I'd be going Edmonds. Yeah, I I totally agree there. Next question, Ben. All right, this is from Richard. Who is the guy in San Francisco? Uh, Mitchell or Sermon? I, I mean, I think you got to play Mitchell ahead. He just spent all that fab to get him. You used the priority to get him. Sermon was an inactive last week. Having said that, would I be surprised if Trey Sermon wound up being the lead ball carrier? No, because it's Kyle Shanahan. And he's just a menace. But 
I think you have to go with Elijah Mitchell there. This week, absolutely. I think this week you have to play Elijah Mitchell, maybe even next week as well, depending on what we see this week, of course. Um, I would expect within four or five weeks, I'd expect that to flip, and I'd expect Trey Sermon to uh, dominate and and control that backfield because, you know, they they spent they traded up to get him, right. and you know you have to follow the business decisions. Trey Sermon was the guy they took. Trey Sermon was the guy they invested in. They're the guy that they see going forward uh, as going to be that lead back. So, yeah, I think Mitchell this week, maybe even next week, moving forward, I think you'll see more of a trajectory towards Sermon. And that's why we begged MD Nation not to drop Trey Sermon. Go ahead, Ben. Next one we have. Robbie Anderson for Devontae Smith. Yeah, uh, if you can get that deal done, pull the trigger, because I'm definitely terrified about Robbie Anderson with Sam Darnold and what his role now has become in that offense. It's DJ Moore went back to being the intermediate guy, and Robbie Anderson's just going to be the big play, big boomer bust. I'd rather, I'd rather Devonta Smith. He's going to be a targeted number one receiver. No, 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 no. no. Oh. Let, oh, we, this is the biggest falling out that, that we, we're going to have here. Um, Finally. <laughs> yeah, those be too amicable, right? Let's, let's talk about Robbie Anderson here. So I, I want you to view Robbie Anderson as basically the guy who is going to come and save your fantasy football season. Yes, okay, last week didn't look pretty, right? But he, last season, he had seven top 18 finishes, which tied him on six amongst all wide receivers last year. The, guy that beat, the guys that beat him were first, second round picks in fantasy drafts this season. In the 12 games he played with Donald at the Jets with Adam Gaze, he either exceeded 85 yards or scored in six of them. He scored last week. Um, they, you know, when you look at what they did and why they brought Donald in, it's because they couldn't move the ball last year. You know, with Teddy Bridgewater last year, 28% of the passes went beyond um, 10 yards, which is just absolutely horrific. He was 10th in receptions last year people forget he had 95 receptions last year you know this guy's and then on top of all this as if this wasn't enough they then went and paid him like the alpha in this offense do not worry about they're, they're trying to acclimatize sam donald to this offense they're trying to acclimatize uh everyone to it but robbie anderson and sam donald have that connection they've made it work i'm telling you right now robbie anderson will be a wide receiver to come the end of the season and devonta smith Will not. If it's dynasty, that's different. Do the trade. Right. If it's a straight up redraft, hold. Just hold. Because I tell you now, you will trade Robbie Anderson in your peril and you'll look back at that and think, I wish I'd not done it. Yeah, you're right. We totally disagree and see this completely differently. And I go back to the guy that you point out earlier as a pickup, Terrace Marshall. That's the biggest reason why I am worried about Robbie Anderson. I think he has a better role. He's going to, Sam, first of all, Sam Darnold's a check down quarterback. And even in those games with the Jets, he was incredibly boom or bust because he didn't always target him down the field. And a lot of those games where he did go off, those six games that you're referring to, were at the end of the season when there was nothing left to play for and they just let them be aggressive or didn't care anymore if they made mistakes. And that's where the, Robbie Anderson make up most of his points. They're not going to be in that situation this year. I know he did get the big play touchdown, but that's not sustainable on three targets. And I think three targets, three to five targets, is going to be more common for Robbie Anderson with DJ Moore taking back his role as the as a main go-to, again, over the middle of the field, intermediate route runner, and then throwing Terrace Marshall in the mix, I think kills Robbie Anderson Devonta Smith, I don't think he's always going to be as efficient as he was a week ago, but the targets are going to be more consistently 
there. We're going to end the show on that. That way Murph can get out of here. And we had a great show anyway. We're running over time as it is. Guys, make sure you tune back in. We'll be back tomorrow night from 9.30 to 10.30 with the MD's DFS contest, the free contest. We'll send the link out to you guys on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. Make sure you join. We have giveaways for that contest. And make sure you check us out on YouTube. Murph, where can we find you at, my man? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Murph underscore NFL. You can find all the work we do over at fiveyearrush.co.uk. Um, and we do lots of stuff over there. I uh, appreciate you having me on. It's been a long time coming. I'm glad uh, glad we were able to do this. It's been a fun show. And, hey, we think alike on a lot of things, just not Robbie Anderson. But, right. you know, it's always good. You've got to have one thing that you disagree on. Otherwise, you know what? It's boring. So, exactly. no, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, you can find, uh, find me anywhere over the internet. Um do a lot of shows every week uh, over here in the UK and yeah, check out all the work that we're doing at, at fiverrush.co.uk. You can check us out on YouTube. You can check us out streaming. Uh, everything that we do is all available. We have a lot of really cool shows, um, Dynasty, uh, IDP. We even do a game show every week. You know, there's everything going on. So yeah, just come uh, come join the ride and yeah, look forward to, to seeing some of you uh, on the other side. Yeah, it was wonderful having you on, Murph. Guys, Five Yard Rush, it's a great show. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you subscribe to it, download it, everything like that. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you guys again tomorrow night. Be loose. We'll take it easy. We'll see you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.